Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Radical tax-cutting measures in the mini-budget have caused a maxi-reaction in markets, with pound sterling slumping to an all-time low against the dollar on Monday in the wake of Friday's statement. New Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng and Prime Minister Liz Truss are gambling that borrowing tens of billions to fund large tax cuts and cap-soaring energy bills for both people and businesses will boost economic growth, and the benefits will trickle down to those on lower incomes. But will this really be the case? With the cost of government borrowing rising fast, there are already fears that inflation and interest rates could be pushed up even higher. What could the new era of trussonomics mean for our personal finances? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. In this week's episode, we'll be breaking down the mini-budget announcements and explaining what they mean for you, from tax changes to help with energy bills, plus how financial markets have reacted to this dramatic shift in government policy. Joining me down the line today is the FT's political editor, George Parker. Hiya, George. Hello, Claire. Great to have you on the podcast today. And we are joined also by Mary McDougall, the FT's acting tax correspondent. She's with me in the FT studio in London. Welcome, Mary. Hi, Claire. Thanks for having me. Well, George, I'll start with you. I mean, this may have been called a mini budget, but it was maxi in terms of political ambition with radical tax changes ahead. But can you explain to listeners why it's being viewed as such a gamble? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a budget, but without the red box, essentially, wasn't it? And uh, and also significantly without the official forecast that you would normally get to accompany a proper budget by mm. the Office of Budget Responsibility. But yes, I mean, it was a budget really that was bigger than any normal budget. It was the it contained the biggest tax cuts since the early nineteen seventies, at least another seventy billion pounds worth of borrowing up to next April, and um, it was a huge political and economic gamble. I mean. The size of the economic gamble, of course, is becoming visible in the markets. And the, the, the big sell-off of the pound, big spike in government borrowing costs. So it's an economic gamble, um, and a lot of Conservative MPs are, are watching this with their fingers crossed and their teeth clenched. 
but obviously a huge political gamble as well because just on the on the the measures they took it was portrayed as a budget for the rich and if you look at the measures in the in the fiscal statement things like for example abolishing the additional 45p tax rate for earnings above 150,000 pounds reversing the plan to increase corporation tax from 19% to 25% next April that's a effective tax cuts for profitable larger companies yeah because you only pay tax on your profits exactly and and also the um the reverse of the the national insurance rise that was introduced earlier in the year again a policy which disproportionately helps higher earners so right across the board politically it was a gamble because the conservative party obviously risked introducing back into the political debate that they're the party of the rich but of course the much wider political gamble is linked to the economics is it actually going to work and i mean just to give listeners a sense of the drama i mean as ft reporters our phones started buzzing at about half past two this morning monday morning with reports from colleagues who were up late and in asia that the pound had fallen to a record low i mean it is nearly at parity with the dollar it's the lowest it's ever been one pound will buy you just over one dollar it's gone up a little bit this morning so a really significant fall there that's going to make it really tough for a nation like Britain that imports most of its goods because our pounds will buy less. So we're at risk now of importing inflation. And then the other big change which started on Friday is that um, gilts, uh, how the government raises debt in the bond markets, the yields on those have really moved quickly, which makes it more expensive for the government to borrow. And at a time, of course, when they're looking to borrow tens of billions of pounds to fund all of these measures, that is um, something that could be very destabilising for the economy in the future. Now, we're going to look at three things in this podcast, the tax changes, the changes to stamp duty and how that could impact the property market. And finally, a reminder of the energy help measures. But Mary, let's start with tax. Now, the political logic is that cutting taxes will fuel economic growth, letting people and businesses keep more of the money they make. Here's what the Chancellor had to say on Friday. Our aim over the medium term is to reach a trend rate of growth of 2.5%. And our plan, Mr Speaker, is to expand the supply side of the economy through tax incentives and reform. So, Mary, when it comes to our personal taxes, can you briefly talk us through the three main measures that were confirmed on Friday? Yes, of course. So two of them were quite widely expected. George mentioned the reverse of the national insurance charge. It went up in July by 1.25 percentage point, um, and this will be reversed from the 6th of November. So to give you an idea of how this might impact your finances, this would increase the monthly take-home pay of someone earning a gross annual salary of £40,000 by £28.57p between October and November this year. Um, but it's much more beneficial for people on higher salaries. So someone earning £200,000 per year can expect a monthly bump of £195 between October and November. Mm, Very clearly explained there. And then the income tax measures, they were things that people thought might happen eventually, but were brought forward by the Chancellor. Yes. So part of the income tax changes was um, reducing the basic rate from 20% to 19%, which was brought forward by a year. So that will apply from April next year, except it doesn't apply if you live in Scotland because that has a devolved tax system. But because the basic rate of tax operates on that slab of income between 
£12,500 and roughly £50,000, it won't just benefit basic rate taxpayers, it will also benefit higher rate and people who are on the additional rate too. Yeah, that's true. And um, and they won't be on the additional rate for long. No. That was the, the last point, was abolishing that. So the 45% tax rate for those earning over £150,000 will be abolished from next April. Again, for people in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. And not for Scotland. So, Mary, running the numbers on all three of those changes, what's the pounds and pence difference likely to be in the next tax year for people? Well, just before I go into that, almost half of the personal tax cuts in the mini-budget will go to the richest 5% of the population, according to analysis by the Institute for Fiscal Studies, compared with 12% for the poorest half of households. So that frames it for you. So there'll be no benefits for anyone earning £12,571 per year because this is your personal allowance on which you don't pay any tax. Yeah, so no tax paid, tax cuts are going to mean absolutely nothing. But what about somebody earning 20000 So someone earning 20000 will be able to keep around £220 per year more from next April. Someone earning £50,000 will be around £740 a year better off. Someone earning £200,000 can save over £4,300 per year. So you can see as your salary gets bigger, your savings are much bigger. And then someone earning a million pounds per year will save around £55,000. Gosh, which is way above the national average salary. And Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, was pointing out on the television at the weekend... That's more than the salary of a nurse, which is a, a interesting political metric for him to have picked. But nevertheless, with the cost of living crisis, people are looking at who's benefiting from these tax cuts and just thinking what is going on. <laughs> it's a very tough pill to swallow for the majority of people. I guess the government's hoping that this will attract more high earners into the UK. Yes, well, that would be one justification for it, but... With everything we're seeing on stock markets and currency markets at, at the moment, in the near term, it looks like inflation and the cost of living could actually get worse. Now, scrapping that top rate of tax was the shock and awe moment of the mini-budget, but let's listen to how the House of Commons reacted. But I'm not going to cut the additional rate of tax today, Mr Speaker. I'm going to abolish it altogether. Yeah. From April the 23rd, we will have a, high, a single higher rate of income tax of 40%. This will simplify the tax system and make Britain more competitive. It will reward enterprise and work. It will incentivise growth. It will benefit the whole economy and the whole country. And Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker. I mean, there were gasps of disbelief in the FT newsroom when this was announced. But what's the political reaction been to that measure since then? We heard MPs, Conservative MPs, cheering as um, the Chancellor announced the scrapping of that additional rate. But it wasn't the sort of wholehearted sort of roar you would normally get from Tory MPs if they thought they were doing this as a result of some brilliant economic stewardship and the, it was the fruits of growth and they were mm. reversing this thing. It, it was it, There was a real sense of nervousness in the House of Commons. You could detect it um, about what the government was doing here. And, um, you know, the, the 45p rate's been in place, I think it was since 2009, so it was introduced after the financial crash by by Alistair Darling, the former Labour Chancellor. So it's something that Tories have wanted to get rid of for an awfully long time, but have always shied away from doing it because of the perception that they would be helping rich people rather than poor people. That fact that they didn't even bother with worrying about the distributional analysis of this package 
which is something that the Treasury normally agonises over, you know, how is this going to affect different percentiles of the income distribution? Their view is basically straightforward, that you cut taxes right across the board. Rich people pay more taxes than poor people. Of course, they're going to get a greater benefit. Tax cuts eventually will stimulate more growth and eventually everyone will benefit from the additional growth. That is the straightforward trustonomics, quasi-quasi-anomics, um, and they're unapologetic about it. Mm. Now, I mean, Mary, from a tax planning point of view, wealthier listeners who are bringing in over 150k a year, they might be preparing to make some adjustments in the coming months. Yes. So because it only the tax changes come in in the 6th of April, they can delay taking their bonuses until the next tax year so they can benefit from the lower tax rate. 40 instead of 45%. Yeah. And also business owners might want to delay any dividend payments. These have seen some of the biggest tax cuts this year. Um, And the government's actually expecting people to plan their finances accordingly. It's really interesting looking in the growth plan document. It expects abolishing the 45% additional tax rate to cost 2.3 billion this tax year. That is essentially wealthy people shuffling shuffling money around. I mean, some really big changes there um, for higher earners. But for those of us who are on lower incomes, there's not much to write home about yet. I mean, one tweet that I did at the weekend, um, which got a lot of traction, was pointing out that when they do get rid of the additional rates, people who are on a good salary but repaying their student loan, graduates in, in England and Wales effectively they'll be on a higher marginal rate of tax than the people who are earning the top salaries in, in Britain, which really doesn't say very much about what this government thinks of the prospects for, for young people in the economy going forwards. I know, it feels feels very unfair. So despite all of the cuts, still a feeling of unfairness. Well, do send us your views on what you think about these tax cuts and what could follow. Money at ft.com is the address to send them to. But In the meantime, let's move on to property. Another big announcement to come out of the mini-budget on Friday was changes to stamp duty. So to support growth, increase confidence and help families aspiring to own their own home, I could announce that we are cutting stamp duty. So the stamp duty threshold has been raised, but Mary, what does this mean for people looking to buy? So the maximum savings for a first-time buyer could be 11,250 under the new stamp duty rules and a standard home mover might expect to save um, 2,500. This will be great for people under offer but there are questions around the extent to which it works. Um, It can push property prices up and actually the increase in borrowing costs is a huge issue at the moment as interest rates are rising. Mm, Well yes, particularly you know you might get some money off off the transaction when you come to renew your mortgage. Where on earth will interest rates be then? Well, George, can you tell us politically, what's the motivation behind these big changes to, to stamp duty? Stamp duty is widely seen by economists as a as a bad tax. Um, the Conservative Party obviously considers itself to be the party of home ownership. And they see this as a retail offer to their voters and also to first-time buyers as well. So mm. this is the calculation that you stimulate the housing market. And it's another part of the this push for growth. I mean, this trust says she will, to, to paraphrase Meatloaf, do almost anything for growth. <laughs> um, and uh, pushing up, cutting the stamp duty burden is is part of that. You know, the housing market has obviously traditionally been a driver of economic growth. It stimulates not just activity in the market, but then when you buy a house, you can't buy stuff to put in your house and all the rest of it. So it's an important part of the economic message. Of course, the contradiction in all of this pointed out by many people, including nervous sounding Tory MPs, is why 
it's the government encouraging people into the housing market and trying to cut the cost of house purchases and trying to stimulate the economy at a time when the Bank of England simultaneously has got its foot on the brake and is putting up interest rates. So it's a, you know, all sorts of contradictions going on in, uh, in government policy at the moment. Mm. Yes, I'm struggling to get the thought of a Liz Truss karaoke meatloaf night out of my mind. <laughs> but as you say, George, quite rightly, the big concern for existing homeowners is rising interest rates. Now, when property prices go up, even if you don't buy or sell a house, you'll still be left feeling smugly richer uh, if the value of your assets going up. But of course, if the value of your monthly mortgage payments um, are, are shooting up ahead of that, I mean, this could easily add hundreds of pounds a month to the already stretched budgets of families up and down the nation. Well, exactly. There's a, there's a bit of a question mark about why the government is um, encouraging people into the housing market just at the point when interest rates are on a rising trajectory and no one knows quite how high they could go, that you know, you're sort of tempting people into the market at a particularly dangerous moment. When I spoke to Conservative MPs over the weekend, that's one of the big things that they are worried about. It's all very well and good for Kwasi Kwarteng to announce £45 billion worth of tax cuts. Let's say you're someone on a middle income and you're tax bill maybe comes down by, I don't know, £50, £100 a month. Well, that's great until you get your mortgage statement through and you realise your mortgage payments have gone up by 200 or £300 a month. And then you go down to your coffee shop in the morning, your coffee costs 30p more because inflation is going up. So that's the big concern of Tory MPs that, you know, there's swings and roundabouts on this and the tax cuts could quickly be eviscerated by other things going on in the economy. Mm. And I should chip in at this point that next week's podcast is going to be a property and mortgages special. We've had lots and lots of questions from you already about mortgages, remortgaging and the likely path of both interest rates and property prices. And we've got two experts in the studio who will be making that. So do tune in to that one next week. Finally, the third mini budget announcement we're going to talk about on this show are the energy help package measures. Here's how Kwasi Kwarteng announced those on Friday. Firstly, to help households, the energy price guarantee will limit the unit price that consumers pay for electricity and gas. This means that for the next two years, the typical annual household bill will be £2,500. For a typical household, that is a saving of at least £1,000 a year based on current prices. We are continuing our existing plans to give all households £400 off bills this winter. So taken together, Mr Speaker, we are cutting everyone's energy bills by an expected £1,400 this year and millions of the most vulnerable households will receive additional payments, taking their total savings this year to £2,200. George, consumers have had to wait a long time for news of further energy help. How will this lower price cap work in practice? Well, basically, the government is going to cap the unit price of energy. So it's one of the things that I think confuses people, that they they hear that the, that the average household bill will be capped at £2,500. Don't forget that is an average cost. So don't think you can leave your central heating on at 28 degrees and mm. endless baths and still have a bill that will be capped at £2,500. That's not how it works. The government is intervening to hold down the average price at £2,500. And of course, that would be a great help to, to families who were facing the possibility of bills averaging three and a half, four thousand, some people going saying even as high as five thousand or more if gas prices continue to spike. So it will be hugely welcomed. 
Um, and the government has also announced a similar scheme for businesses as well, but that only lasts for six months. So, you know, from a government point of view, they've intervened in a massive way in the energy market, left the taxpayer obviously exposed to the possibility of huge costs if, if the gas price continues to go up. But I think this was always part of the government's general plan, which was to say, look, we are a government which is prepared to put its arm around ordinary voters uh, in the form of this energy intervention. And that was intended to give them a bit of political cover for all the tax cuts for the rich, in inverted commas, that were announced later. And Mary, of course, this capping of bills comes on top of the £400 rebate that every household in the UK will start to receive from October. But can you tell us, how are people going to get that money? Yes. So as you say, from October, everyone's bill will be cut by £400. This will be applied over six months with a reduction of £66 in October and November and then every month until March. The discount will be made automatically um, by energy suppliers in England, Scotland and Wales, so there's no need to apply. Customers with prepayment meters will have the amount applied to their meter or receive a voucher. Yes, and very important to to stress that. I mean, the extra measures that people on the lowest incomes will get, this £650 payment and also the extra payment for, for pensioners, all of these things are going to be made automatically. But there's been a huge rise in scam texts where even colleagues in the office have nearly fallen for them. Very official looking, saying this is how you have to register for your £400 energy discount, but you absolutely don't need to do anything. So, well, Thank you, Mary and George, for joining me today. What final thoughts about um, the mini-budget would you leave our listeners with? Mary, you first. Am I allowed to do two? Yes, go on. (laughs) Well, with my personal finance investing hat on, I know this is easier said than done, but where possible, I think it's a really good habit to keep saving because the power of compounding over time can really help you, especially for our younger listeners, to ensure that you can try and still keep on track to building up your nest egg and the other one we touched on student loans um but because of the way they're structured there's not really much point in trying to pay them off early lots of people do if they're trying to clear their debts but um the majority one in four borrowers actually pay the whole thing off Mm, so very different type of debt credit card debt on the other hand mortgage debt something that you might want to look at accelerating. But I'll be writing more about that in my FT Weekend column this Saturday. And George, final thoughts from you, our political supremo in Liverpool. Well, sitting here in Liverpool on Monday morning, it doesn't look great for Kwasi Kwarteng. The the markets are showing extreme nervousness Mm. in response to what Kwasi Kwarteng did. But he'll be hoping that this moment passes, that people will look at the long-term vision he set out and let's just end on a bright note. If it all works out for the British economy, I think Kwasi Kwarteng can look forward to spending his dotage touring prestigious universities, giving lectures on how he defied the orthodoxy and turned Britain's economy around. Well, thank you very much there to George Parker and Mary McDougall. That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you do, leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, then get in touch. Our email address is money at ft.com or send me a DM on social media. I'm at Claire B on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Money Clinic was produced by Persis Love and Philippa Goodrich. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragossa. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. 
And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Bryant, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.